The first reading is from Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 to 9a. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, <clears throat> which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. He said, Go and speak to the people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Second meeting is actually taken from John chapter 4, verses uh, 13 through to 30, which is page 1067. So not as what we have on the board. So if you bear with me, I'll give you a chance to get to your Bibles. Jesus talked with a Samaritan woman. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming to here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worship on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Excuse me. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, 
I who speak to you am he. Just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or, why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come to the town. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, come see a, a, a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their ways towards him. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for these two fantastic encounters with you. And we ask that you would encounter us this morning too. Please pour your spirit upon us. Open our ears to hear you speaking to us and our eyes to see you and our hearts to respond. Fill us with your grace and bless us this morning with your love. Amen. Well, what an exciting day we, uh, yesterday. Yesterday, I'm not talking about the football. I'm talking about uh, the uh, training event that we had yesterday morning um, as we uh, began to prepare for a year of mission, knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. I've just got one slide for you today. Okay, I just want to get into your head a year of mission, knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. Uh, our external encourager with us yesterday morning, uh, Reverend Jean Kerr, was reminding us of Jesus' words to his disciples. And of course, they include us. The disciples had spent a lot of time getting to know Jesus, and then he had sent them out to make him known. Go and make disciples, and I will be with you. I'm struggling a little here with the microphone, I'm sorry. Sorry? Down a bit, I'm told. See if that works some more. Well, today is our Vision Sunday when we ask what God is calling us to reach out for in this coming year. And central to that, of course, is our year of mission, knowing Jesus, making Jesus known. In three weeks' time, October the 14th, we're going to be uh, welcoming the Reverend Andy Hargreaves, uh, the Diocesan Mission Advisor, who's going to help us actually launch our year of mission, knowing Jesus, making Jesus known. The question he's going to be asking us is, are we ready to step out in faith and to make Jesus known? But today I want to take a step back and ask a slightly different question, a prior question. Do you know Jesus yourself? We can't make Jesus known to other people if we don't actually know him ourselves, can we? I don't just mean know about him, but actually personally know him, a personal relationship with him. And that's why we've chosen this slogan for our year of mission. Knowing Jesus, making Jesus known. The man is approaching me. So you can just watch this slogan for a bit and let it seep into your mind. See if this works better. Sounds better, doesn't it? 
So, we've chosen this, this slogan for the year, Knowing Jesus, Making Jesus Known. Many of us here have known about Jesus for a very long time. Some of us, all our lives. But the question we need to ask ourselves at the start of this year of mission is this. Do we actually know him? How close is our relationship with him? Do we really worship him? If we come here week by week on a Sunday, as I do, we need to remind ourselves again and again that worshipping Jesus isn't just about singing songs to each other about Jesus. It's encountering him afresh today. Discovering again today the power of his spirit at work in us. Committing ourselves again today to follow him wherever he leads. To speak to him, to speak of him to those we meet. To be like him in every situation. As we really get to know him, we discover that Jesus is Lord of the whole world and of our own lives. We start to realize how much we need him, how grateful we are for his transforming power at work in us, how much we are willing to sacrifice for him. Well, the disciples had spent three years getting to know Jesus. They'd seen him heal powerfully. They'd heard him speaking of the Father. They had watched him drive out evil and then die an appalling death on the cross. And then they had met him, risen from the tomb. They had discovered him in the weeks that followed, eating with him, speaking with him. <coughs> they, had, they had come to know him alive in a completely new way. And after his resurrection, the Spirit filled them and drove them out onto the street. And there, they found that they really could make Jesus known to all the people that they met. Well, the same thing happens right throughout the Bible. Key leaders and message bearers get catapulted into action by a close-up and personal encounter with God. Think your way back, all the way back to Abraham, right at the beginning of the story. He meets God in a dream between uh, pots of flaming fire, and that sends him off with his family on a world-changing journey of faith. Then his grandson, Jacob, sees angels climbing the ladder to the throne of God, and he commits to give himself, to give 10% of everything that he ever owns to God. Then Moses meets God in a burning bush and gets a message to the most powerful king of his day to set God's people free. As a child, Samuel meets God in the middle of the night and is commissioned as a prophet to speak hard words to his people. David worships God as a shepherd and is anointed shepherd of Israel. Solomon, his son, meets God and asks for wisdom to rule God's people. Zechariah in the New Testament is just there worshipping God in the temple and is struck dumb until he has learned a new song about God's salvation. 
and then the shepherds at Christmas, you remember, see a vision of angels, and they set off at a run to find the saviour of the world. And then they come rollicking home down the high street, telling everyone that they meet about the king cradled in a manger. And so it continues through the Bible. Meet God, encounter Jesus, worship him, and you'll have a story to tell. Well, there are lots of lessons that we could learn from these two amazing encounters that we had read to us earlier this morning. But this is the connection I want to draw for you from them. Encounter God, worship him, and you'll end up sharing with others what you've discovered. For Isaiah, it happened at a critical point in his life and in the life of his nation. The king, his cousin, had ruled long and well, presiding over a time of stability and growth for the people. But success had led to arrogance towards those he led and towards God himself as well. And God had finally called him to account. So it was in the year that King Uzziah died. A real, specific, historical moment with real historical political context and consequences. As if we were to say, it was in the year that the Prime Minister resigned after the Brexit vote went against him and the nation was in chaos. Isaiah himself, a foreign advisor within the political system, discovers his complicity in the king's presumption. So what changes him from that into a fearless confronter of kings through whom a nation would be saved. Isaiah says, I saw the Lord. Isaiah has a vision of the awesome presence of God, which compels him to bend his knee, to confess his complicity, his unclean lips, and to offer himself as a spokesman for God without agenda or limit. Who will go for me? asked the Lord. And whom shall we send? Here am I, replies Isaiah. Send me. For the Samaritan woman, on the other hand, it comes quite unexpectedly, just on some ordinary day. She's uh, gone in the middle of the day, at the hottest part of the day, to the village well to draw water for her family so that she can avoid all the busy crowds and particularly all the sneers of her neighbours. By the end of the day, she's bursting with news and unselfconsciously speaking to everyone that she knows. What's happened? Why that change? Because at the well, she meets Jesus. What does she find in him that so changes her, that makes such a difference? Well, here are just a few thoughts. Firstly, Jesus sees her and speaks with her, although Jewish men of the time didn't speak with Samaritans and they didn't speak with women in public. Whoever you are, Jesus sees you. He isn't offended by you. He wants to spend time with you. 
Then Jesus asks her for a drink. He isn't so high and mighty that he can do without anybody. Jesus asks for her help. Jesus needs you too. He wants your help as well. And then Jesus offers her a drink, an endless refreshment, a taste of eternal life. And Jesus is interested not just in her, but also in her family. Bring your husband too. Of course, Jesus sees through her deception, but yet he affirms her, gently taking off her mask so that she can be healed. And then Jesus cuts through her theological objections. How can I believe, she might have asked, in a God who allows suffering? That's the theological excuse of today. Instead, Jesus offers her a vision of intimate worship with the Father of all. And then Jesus offers himself to her as the fulfillment of all her hopes and aspirations and as the hope of the world. Have you really encountered Jesus as this woman did? Do you know that he wants to spend time with you, that he's asking for your help, that he is offering you eternal life? Do you know that he wants to invite your friends and families too to meet him, that he sees through your prevarications and your deceptions, your deflections, and offers you the fulfillment of all that you hope for, an encounter with the creator of all things and with himself? If you haven't, and you would like to, why not meet one of us after the service, Neil or myself or Adam or somebody in the prayer tent would love to pray with you. If you have, like this woman, if you have really met Jesus, if you are really meeting Jesus again today, then you will find yourself brimming over with good news the good news that he is. And anyone who bumps into you will be splashed all over with the love of Jesus. So the vision I want to share with you this year, the starting point for our year of mission, turns out not to be the importance of evangelism, sharing Jesus with those you meet, making him known, but rather of an encounter with Jesus yourself, knowing Jesus. As you meet him and worship him, you will automatically find yourself telling others about him too. And so the investment that I want to ask you to make this year of mission is not specifically evangelistic. Here at the start of the year, I want to ask you to make an, inv an investment which is crucial to mission, to evangelism. I want to encourage and challenge you to invest in our ability to offer you weekly moments of stirring, gripping, transforming worship. Our volunteer worship team has struggled valiantly over these last 10 years to lead us in weekly worship, but they need someone to gather, inspire, train, and organize them. We lay a very heavy burden on those who pick up this task while holding down full-time jobs of their own. A worship pastor would remind us through worship 
of the centrality of Christ for us and of our vision for growth. They'd be able to unlock for us the power of the culture of excellence and empowering us all in worship. Well, the PCCs still have some questions to answer, the level of experience most useful for us at this stage, and how best to encourage both modern and traditional styles of worship. But financing it, that's the job of us all. Ironically, just at this moment, we've got quite a lot of money in the bank, but what we don't have is enough regular income to make our staff ministry sustainable, let alone expand it in the way I'm suggesting. And that's because of the really exciting thing that God has done through us this last year. So last year, a year ago, we launched a new congregation at St. Margaret's Church, and we moved a lot of our energy across to St. Margaret's. And with that energy has gone quite a lot of our funding. As people have shifted to St. Margaret's, they've taken with them the budget from the St. Jude's, their money from the St. Jude's budget to the St. Margaret's budget. And this last year, other big givers have left us to move on to other places. So what we need right now, what we have right now is, is a pot of money that we can use easily to support us in our year of mission, to finance the events that we want to do this year. But what we really need to move forward is to increase our regular monthly giving to sustain our staff team. And critically, in this year of mission, to invest in a skilled and encouraging worship leader, pastor. Well, our finances and the year of mission are certainly going to present us with some interesting challenges, and you'll be able to read more about that in your St. Jude's vision brochure, which you received on the way in. Please take it home, read it through, pray through it, and then if God is leading and calling you to do that, please fill in the yellow form and bring that back next week. Embracing the challenges in mission and in finance is going to take a lot of prayer. Will you join with me in, in prayer, in praying, by signing up for this 48 hours of prayer in the coming weekend? And will you join me in increasing our giving so that we can stimulate our worship and our encounter with Jesus? Because as we grow in worship, we will grow in faith. And as we grow in faith, we'll grow in outreach and in discipleship, which means that we will grow in our ability and desire to give. So here's my challenge to you. Will you invest now in your own relationship with Jesus? Will you invest in your children's relationship with Jesus, in this congregation and in our guests' relationship with Jesus? As we grow in worship, in our encounter with, our experience of, our love for Jesus, his spirit will be giving us a new song, a new message, a new courage to take his gospel to the waiting world, especially during this year of mission, knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. Will you invest in this vision.